Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is Time Trial Murder Mystery, our pre little Liars podcast. I'm Marco Sparks. And I'm Benjamin Light. <laughs> it's actually the other way around. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. Uh, <laughs> you were about to just say I'm Marco Sparks too, right? No, I was... Uh... Ah, fuck it. Who knows what I was going to say? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking about S one E two Free the Liars, aka the Jenna thing. The Jenna thing. Uh, if you're curious about why we're talking about it, you should probably go back and watch the first episode. Kind of explain the podcast and the rules of the podcast there. Um, short ex- explanation: We will not be spoiling anything past the episode we're currently watching, or at least trying not to. So, right and. I don't know if it's become a regular thing, but you have caught up with the show more than I have. I'm rewatching the show, and a lot of the details are still fuzzy to me. So this was, it's it's a joyous experience for me to get back Mm -hmm. into the show from the very beginning. Yeah, I imagine you haven't watched this episode since it aired, right? No, no. No, this was, uh, God, it's so weird to see these characters, like, just four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not even that, right? It's like. Yeah, I don't well, know I, don't know. I guess it depends on how you count it, but um, yeah. So we can go ahead and jump in. We're, we're not going to do full recaps from here on out. We're just going to kind of give a a brief description <laughs> and, and then talk about the characters. And we should uh, say that you should be required to take a shot every time somebody says the Jenna thing. The Jenna thing. I love that they call it the Jenna thing, and it's it's one of those things that as friends you would have and you would just talk about it. And it, it would seem perfectly normal to you, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. the Jenna thing. Yeah. Well, obviously, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, that time we uh, lit that girl on fire, you know. <laughs> and blinded her for life. Yeah. You'd say the Jenna thing. It's a shorthand. <sighs> it's code. Yeah. So, yeah, this episode basically picks up where the last one left off, more or less. Um, although, I, mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be the next day or what. I mean, it's they, just, uh, it, they're still wearing the funeral. Are they still, so, okay, so they, they probably went. Straight from the funeral to the grill. Um, but the, the kind of high level here is that, uh, they're discussing the Jenna thing, which we eventually learn is they were all in Emily's room back in the past, including Allison. So all five of them. And Allison thought that some neighborhood boy named Toby was spying on them. And she got all mad because he was like watching them. He would have been watching all of them undress. So. And mind you, you are only really going by like Allie's word on this. Like you never really see this, see this happen. She just like says that she saw it, you know? Yeah. Um, so they all go over to this guy's like shed or garage or wherever he is. And she gets them to agree to like light a smoke bomb and throw it in there. She sees a something, bomb. a stink sink bomb. bomb. Yeah. She sees something as she throws it in there, but like throws it in anyway. And then they run away. And then, uh, apparently it wasn't a stink bomb because like the place like blows up practically. Yeah. And uh that's the Jenna thing. Like she was apparently in there. Uh and that's and she was blinded by that somehow. Jenna so. is Toby's like uh stepsister? Stepsister, yeah. Um So now back in present day, Jenna is back at school. She's blind. She has she's creepy big, as hell. Big creepy glasses. Like she's very intimidating to the liars just because she's like just this, you know, walking guilt trip. Um, that they don't really know how to act around it at all. They, they assume that she hates them, but they're, they're not sure, you know. They, I mean, she shouldn't know 
that it's they're they're the cause, and yet they feel like she does. Yeah, yeah, she. It's funny. I mean, that that's, can't be an easy role for the actress to not be able to use your eyes at all, but to mm-hmm. kind of communicate. Uh, but it works. Like, there's something extremely creepy about Jenna and the way that she just kind of exists in a scene and makes everyone else uncomfortable. You know. Do you remember how the television thought pity recapper described Jenna whenever she walked into a scene? I do not remind me. It, it was like like paint travels up the ceiling, <laughs> like walls melt. <laughs> Time goes backwards. Well, there's a great audio cue. She has her cane, you know, so there's always like this tap, tap, tap as she, uh, you know, taps her way into the room, feeling around with her cane. And, um, yeah, she's creepy, like vulnerable, but like intimidating at the same time, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and they, they perfectly, like, with all that, they capture in the, uh, like, Spencer asks her at one point if she was, you know, upstate in some school for the, and then she pauses and say visually impaired. And, and Jenna mm-hmm. comes back with, it's blind. You can say blind. It's not a dirty word. And she yeah. just did the way that you don't know how to react around a handicap, let alone after you've caused that handicap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feeling super awkward. Um, the opening scene in this is pretty great. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. The way it was shot, even not even like the big crane shots, but when they go inside, there's like a long kind of like, tracking shot painting around the girls as they talk yeah. i mean it's very ambitious for a tv show you know it's not just like shot reverse shot type of stuff yeah oh, but just that that last shot of the teaser is fantastic but they all they all like jenna thing walks in and they're like oh crap we got to get out of here uh yeah. so then they just all leave without that's the other funny thing is like so often they they're forced to just not say or make any say anything or make any noises when jenna's around yeah. so they just get up and leave like silently so they walk out, and there's a, the crane kind of goes up, and the four girls all walk off in a different direction as the crane kind of backs up across the intersection. The yeah, streets. they have kind of a, like a brief pause. They don't say anything, but it's kind of like agreed upon that they're all going to like scram, and they just like spread out in different directions. It's a really interesting <laughs> well, shot. Yeah, and they're outside now. Like they're, like they're out of earshot of the Jenna thing, and they still like don't say anything. I love it. It's like she's robbed them of their voices. Mm-hmm. Uh one thing I noticed right away in this episode, the hair is a lot better, like, on everyone. I don't know if they, got, like, got a different hairstylist from the pilot, or they just had, like, more time or whatever, but, like, mm-hmm. like you really notice it. Like, Spencer's hair, she actually looks like a, a teenager in this, rather than, like, somebody's mom. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, it's kind of strange to be watching this again. Like, maybe it's just me, but is, like, Lucy Hale not, like, a lot hotter at the start of this show? Uh, I think it's the hair mostly, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's super cute in this episode. She has yeah. those gigantic eyes of hers. Um, she has this, she has ridiculous fashion, and yeah, mm-hmm. it just it's all working. It's all yeah. working for me there. It's good. I like it. All of them, really. I don't know. I guess it's a couple years on in the show, but like even like Hannah seems a lot hotter. All right. Although the flashbacks to Fat Hannah again are still just giggle worthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, love sure, the, oh. I was going to say, I'm sure they have a budget. Yeah, they can't afford that fat suit that they desperately want to refer to. Um, yeah, so we're not going to really recap the episode, but you'll kind of get a gist of the episode when we talk about characters. Any character you want to start with in particular? Uh, let's start with Hannah. 
The flask. Anna still has her flask, and she's <laughs> some guy's staring at her at the restaurant, or she's like spiking her coke with it, and she's like, "It's medicinal. I have cramps." <laughs> I like uh, her and Ashley. They have like this. Her, Ashley, her mother. They have this like uh, sort of like symbiotic morning routine where they're each kind of like assisting the other with basic life functions. You know, like coffee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like coffee. Like Hannah, Hannah pours coffee for them both, and then Ashley pours milk for them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they definitely well, seem like I, the closest of all the parents, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, up until certain points, but yeah, like Ashley's still uh, uh, cleaning up Hannah's messes. <laughs> well, and, and she's like, I'm sorry about that. And her mom's just like, no, it's all right. It won't happen again. You'll never see him again. That's yeah, the fact that I had to fuck that cop to clear. Your I mean, how do you how do you have that conversation with your mom? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like really sorry. You just prostituted yourself, and then he shows up later with dinner. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about Hannah's boyfriend, who was clearly gay. <laughs> I just want to point out my fourth note on Hannah says Sean is clearly gay. <laughs> That was not coordinated at all. Um, he is—he is clearly like gay and like smarmily. Like well, he's a—he's a pastor's kid. He's a PK, and he's so—he's so smug about it. There's two kinds of PKs. There's a PK who's dating a super hot girl who wants to get all over him, and he makes some noise about waiting, and then he just has lots of guilty sex. And then there's the gay kind. Yeah, I'm sorry if, if you're like 16 years old and uh, Ashley Benson's crawling all over you. Uh, there's no such thing as that much willpower unless you're just actually not into sex with girls. Yeah. But I mean, like, uh, so Ashley comes in and she's just like, oh, hey, Sean, apologize to your dad yet again for us not going to church, but, you know, it's hard. I work on our schedule. I work. <laughs> and he's like, it's okay. My dad works weekends too. Yeah, ass. Such, a, such an asshole thing for a PK to say. <laughs> but, like, yeah, the, the framing, I want to. I don't know how much you remember this episode. Like the way they frame this, like so Hannah gets up one point and she refills his coke, like a good girlfriend, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then she's like kissing his neck. And like the way they frame it, it looks like she's clearly like grabbing his junk. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like she she wants she's it. Like she yeah. you know, there's something about her character, I think, where she is still you know, she may be new skinny Hannah, but she still feels she's like the old Hannah. Impulsive. And she she wants that uh that validation, you know, like yeah. Like her sleeping well, yeah, with she, this guy is a way of saying like, I'm I'm attractive, you know. Like people well, want she me. She brings up that that when she was fat, Hannah, they were just friends. Mm-hmm. Now she's skinny, Hannah, and she has to ask him if he's if he likes her that way. Which he, he doesn't her, because he's, he's like, gay. Yeah, he kisses her. And he's like, oh, do you kiss your friends that way? Then he like snuck off to the bathroom to wash his mouth out. So I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Think about Wilbon. Uh, mind you, we're we're saying all this. This is really is just based on this episode. This is not foreshadowing or anything. If you didn't watch this scene, new new viewer, and not get the same impression, then you're living mm-hmm. your head in sand. Yeah, just rewatching this, I'm like, man, this guy's totally gay. Like, yeah. Uh, the other funny stuff I caught with Hannah was uh, there's that scene where Arya has just talked to uh, Fitz and then walks out of his classroom. And the mm-hmm. camera like pans over to Hannah talking to, I think she's talking to Mona, 
but she's like checking out Ezra kind of the whole time. She's just like keeps looking over and kind of eyeing him. I thought that was funny. Yeah. All part of my theory. Oh, there's a lot of stuff that goes with your theory in this episode. Oh, yeah, there's tons. There's tons. Um, um, I like that the later on, like, Wilden shows up with, like, Thai food. Uh, this, the classic, like, he's, like, invading their, like, domesticity, you know? Yeah. And Ashley just, like, whispers in Hannah's ear, like, better get your, better get Sean out of here, get your boyfriend out of here, you know? Yeah, well, she's just, like, time for Sean to go. Yeah. Like, Which is so, like, it'd be so awful to actually experience that in real life, you know? But like, it's not, it's not a whisper though. Like Sean can clearly hear yeah, her. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dismissive. Uh, but you feel bad about that stupid weekend comment now, don't you, Sean? <laughs> well, just imagine like, it's like this guy shows up who you know is doing your mom and your mom doesn't even want to be doing him. And now you got to like clear your friend out. Like, uh well it, the again the way they frame it so perfect like the next morning like hannah comes downstairs and like ashley's cooking and it's so like uh jarring because it's not part of their morning routine yeah and hannah's like you're cooking and then like wilden steps into the frame and he's just, like yeah i take my eggs over easy. yeah yeah he, he basically like orders like he's uh talking to like a, a waitress or something you know and yeah. i, I kind of feel like it's you're supposed to uh interpret that like ashley doesn't really cook at all you know, because yeah. Hannah's just like, you're cooking, huh? Okay, let's see how that goes. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's not part of their morning routine at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's the, they do an interesting thing with Wilden here because it's like he's investigating Allison's murder. He s- clearly suspects like Hannah and the rest of the girls of something, something more than just teenage drinking. Mm-hmm. And he's getting a Hannah like, like literally through her mother. Yeah. On top of underneath and all around her mother. It's super skeezy. Yeah. The men in this <laughs> town are skeezy as hell. Oh, man. Yeah, let's see. Uh, what else do I have for Hannah here? Um, I tried to pull, like, one quote from each character. I don't think I found one for Arya. I just have, like, a facial reaction. But um, <laughs> Exactly. When Hannah, like, Emily, like, there's a scene where she drives up in her car with her boyfriend. And, like, they're hass- some other bros are hassling them. And, uh, Hannah walks up as, like, some guy's, like, getting in Emily's face, and she's like, I'm sorry, are you talking to me? And the guy just, like, runs away. <laughs> Which I guess is supposed to communicate that, like, she's the queen bee now. Yeah, she's the queen bee, uh, her, her Not, mother. not of the, the, the liars group, but of, like, no, the no, school, no. kind of. Yeah, like, yeah, like she's, yeah, the, the, she's, like, the theoretical home queen queen here, you know? Yeah, the high school ecosystem, she's on top. Um, and they keep that going, I think. Well, don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, they keep that going. Yeah, it's good. Um, also, I just want to point out that Mona, Hannah's friend, is just a great wingman. Um, Mr. Fritz. Like, yeah, the Mr. Fritz business. <laughs> she comes into class late. Am I late? I'm sorry, Mr. Fritz. I like that Ezra doesn't correct her. You know, no. like, That would be like the dick teacher move to do. You know, It would be like, it's Fitz. He's just like, right. <laughs> well, that's a losing move. Like, He's yeah. not going to win, you know? But yeah, everyone should have a Mona just to hang out and go go shopping with you and tell you how great you are all the time. I would kill to have a Mona. Yeah. Well, it's funny because there are these tertiary characters on the show like Mona. Um, she could easily be one note and just purely kind of like stupid, but she's not. She's more just kind of like self-involved, which is what kind makes of, her more interesting. Makes you kind of think of uh, like Rachel Bilson from the OC. 
Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like a character who's only supposed to be in the pilot, and yet they're fantastic, so they had to stick around and came mm-hmm. huge. Um, do you want to move on to Emily? Uh, sure. Maya has no boundaries whatsoever. Maya is so awful. Um, so Maya is the the girl who's living in Allison Delantris's house now, uh, and who's like starting to make some time with Emily there. Emily's, <laughs> Emily's still just, theoretically straight, but you know, obviously there's some chemistry. Say real quick. Uh, yeah, I'm the new girl who moved into the dead girl's house. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. Spencer's like, I can't believe you just said that either. Well, Maya, like, you know, nobody is looking at Maya and being like, oh, there's that new girl who moved into the dead girl's house. Like, no one's saying that. No. no you know, like, she's no. like, hi, I'm inventing this identity for myself as being, like, persecuted, even though nobody is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then she, like, she bitches and moans about how awful it is that people keep coming up and leaving flowers for Allie at her house and how it makes her so uncomfortable. It's like, hey, way to make it all about you, you know? Like, the only this one girl is had... a, you know, teenage girl killed in town and you managed to make it all about how, like, this is a hardship for you. The only moment that she has that's legitimate to me is that her mom apparently found a bunch of boxes of pictures of Allison's and moved them into Maya's room. Was that... I see. I didn't get that she moved them there. I, I no, thought she, that she just she found says them. She was like she. She's saying more than just that she slept in the room. That this is Allison's room. It's that she. She makes it seem like she was in the room with her that night. Either way, it, it, that was the only one to me that was legitimately creepy to be sleeping in the the room of the dead girl. But yeah, everything okay. else. Yeah, she clearly is making it all about her yeah. when it's not. But then, humorously, this all gets parlayed into her like uh, spending the night with Emily as a sleepover, which Emily's mom suggests. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, you should sleep over. Uh, obviously, not suspecting anything there. Yeah, uh, I did Maya think it was funny. In the middle. Yeah, I did think it was funny later on when you see the Emily's bed that she has swim goggles hanging from the bed. <laughs> I don't know why this like the set designer just like she swims, put some goggles somewhere. Because <laughs> we haven't mentioned swimming all episode. Mm-hmm. Um, another character I completely forgot about is Emily's like super douchey boyfriend. Oh, that guy, uh, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, he would like, he like, he picks her and Emily and Maya up like the morning after like Maya slept over and he's just like, so that's pretty hot, huh? Like, I wouldn't be able to sleep. Like, just being a total douche. Like, sure, he's a high school student, but still, like. He says, so Maya, now that you've slept with Emily, you've gotten a lot further than I have. What should I know? (laughs) Yeah. And then Emily has to do the thing where she's. She's feeling a little too exposed for her possible, like, other leanings, and so she has to, like, you know, make out hard with her boyfriend to kind of try to, like, brush them away. Yeah. And, of course, he has, like, even more douchey than him is all his douchey friends who have to, like, surround his Jeep and cheer. (laughs) Yeah, and make thrusting motions with their pelvis. Yeah, yeah. That's what high school guys do. That's all all we ever did in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, It's true. (laughs) Maya gets Emily's connection to Spencer. You both like to win. <laughs> so uh, we do find oh. out that Allie gave them all bracelets with their names on them yeah. uh, in the past. Emily still wo- wears hers. She's seemingly the only one who does. Mm-hmm. Um, again, talking about the technology at this point in time. So right as they're laying in bed and like Maya's like falling asleep with like her hand on Emily's thigh, Emily gets a text from A. It says, new text. Yeah, new new text is like a bright red screen. It's like something that you would alert, like a, like a bomb being about to get dropped on you or something. It's like ridiculous. But uh, I think this was before the the 
really not just this show, but, uh, you know, Hollywood in general hadn't quite figured out yet how to deal with, uh, like phones and smartphones. Yeah. So it's like everything had to be super obvious, but now the technology is so common, it, it stands out to try to make it obvious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so a text Emily that did you get your goodnight kiss? Mm hmm. Which is so creepy. <laughs> like, I would not be able to sleep forever. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be able to sleep next to Maya anyway, because she's so horrible. <laughs> but yeah, they do the whole thing where they're they're sleeping in bed, and I think it's like Maya rolls over, and like it's like Big Spoon, basically, and Emily's kind of okay with that. Uh, well, she does the, a thing where she's about to like push her hand away, and then she and just kind of like rests yeah. her hand there. Yeah. The quote I pulled out for Emily is when she's talking to her mom, and her mom thinks they're talking about like grief from uh, Allison dying, but that's obviously not all Emily's talking about. And she says, "I think there's something wrong with me." Um, yeah, the mom doesn't pick up on it at all. Yeah, it it is kind of sad because you can like she she says something earlier to Arya about how she feels like an I think that was in the previous episode. She says, "I feel like an outsider too," or something like that. Like obviously she's talking about something different than what Arya was talking about. Yeah, but. Every character makes it about themselves. Mm-hmm. Especially when that character's Arya. Let's yeah. talk about her next. Yeah, you can't have a conversation with Arya that's not about Arya. This doesn't compute to her. <laughs> I like how bitchy she got with her dad at the beginning of the episode. Well, it starts off with this excellent, like, uh, like gossiping, like catty gossiping of her mom about Hannah not being fat anymore. She doesn't shop at Curvy Girl anymore. Yeah. And then, and then, then she's I like how Byron, the dad, is like, who shops at Curvy Girl? Like. <laughs> I don't know. As a guy in that situation, I would just like I'm not touching that one at the ten foot pole, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and then she's just right on her dad. And she's like, "Oh, staying late. Why? Don't you care about us?" Basically, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, don't the needs of your family come before anything else? Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. And the mom's just like, "I'm just trying to be oblivious." Mm-hmm. And Arya's just like, "Fuck this. I'm out of here." Yeah. Uh, so then Arya tries to drop out of her class with Mr. Fitz, with Ezra. So, uh, um, because if, at this point, she's actually more of an adult than he is. If Arya's A, isn't this whole, like, attempted class transfer just, like, gambit to keep him interested? Yeah. And it works. I mean, it, I almost feel like even if she is an A, like, that, like, off screen, that's what was happening. And she pretends to try to transfer out of his class and be an adult about it, but it doesn't work. So she has to be in class with him again. Well, at the same time, either way, she's still being more of an adult than he is. Yeah. Cause he well, they go back and forth. Because in the previous episode, he tried to be an adult. And then by the end of the episode, he wasn't. And now here, she's trying to be an adult. And obviously, that that doesn't last long either. Uh, I do want to point out that in this episode, Arya has a Kin. A Microsoft Kin. Oh, I was going to ask you, what the hell is that phone? It's called the Microsoft Kin. I believe that was the Kin 1 that she's holding. It was uh, supposed to be kind of like the new version of the T-Mobile sidekick. Do you remember those? Vaguely. Um... Basically, Microsoft bought this co- the company Danger that made the Sidekick. They came out with the Kin. This was uh, this would have been summer of 2010, same time as the iPhone 4 came out, I believe. Like basically, like Microsoft put out this hilariously dated and worthless like quasi smartphone when like the iPhone and uh, other phones were like Android phones were just destroying the whole phone market and it like it flopped completely they lost like a billion dollars on it um and i i know i remember because they they dumped a ton of money into marketing of it too and so you you used to like see all this really bad kin product placement and uh, this is obviously one of those moments where obviously microsoft paid some money to pll 
for this product placement, which it looks hilarious in well, retrospect. It's, it's like, you know, most smartphones are like some kind of rectangle. This is like a square. Yeah. Square. Oh, it's like a, it was like a slider phone and like the texts show up in kind of like this exaggerated, like, uh, like kind of comic-y, uh, like a circle yeah. type, you know, not like, not like even like an, an like an Apple's message app. It's kind of like a, it's sort of like a little comic thing, but it's like, it's subtle enough. This is like super colorful and ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Like this ridiculous, like word bubble thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like my third note on, uh, on my Aria section is what the fuck kind of phone is Aria using here? <laughs> it's like, uh, just a classic relic of, uh, like just corporate failure. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then, uh, outside of school, Arya runs into Ezra at a screening of a Frank Haber movie. <laughs> Her and Fitz are perfect for each other because they both like really lame old movies. And that's going to be a recurring thing of Arya. Um, well, I like we spoiler. get. We get a little bit of a hint there that uh, Ella, her mom, because she goes to the movies with her mom when she runs into him. Ella's kind of like, "Hey, you didn't tell me he was so young." What you know? And then later on, it's like, "Why don't you come sit with us?" Yeah, yeah. The mom. You don't want to think that she's making time or trying to make time of Ezra just yet, but she's. Um, she offered him popcorn. She's going to regret <laughs> her friendliness later. I suspect. So do you think when they, uh, it's like, it's like the mom and then one seat over it's Arya and then one seat over it's Ezra. He's kind of like been awkwardly roped into sitting with them at the movies. Although any other normal person would have fucking cut out if they saw that like Arya was going to the, this movie, they would have just been like, I'm going to bounce. I'll see you later show, you know? Um, well, what's interesting is that, so Ella is not sitting in like the aisle seat. She's sitting like one seat in yeah, and then, then is Arya. So the mom says, come sit with us. Ezra doesn't sit in the aisle seat where he's just next to the mom. He goes past the mom and sits on the other side of Arya. In Ezra's defense, it was a better seat. It was closer to the center of the theater. True, true. Although he stares dead ahead. Yeah. Well, it's like you're wondering, uh, do they just uh, sit there and like quiver and uh, like sexual tension for the whole movie? Yep. Or is uh, somebody get like a handy while mom's not looking? Well, so the mom, like, she doesn't just, like, you know, reach the popcorn over. She, like, reaches the popcorn over. It looks like it's, like, touching his chest. Mm-hmm. And he stares straight ahead, swallows hard, and is like, I'm good. This was the scene where Arya's eyes are just enormous. I texted yeah. you about. Like like an anime girl afraid of a tentacle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, later on, I don't know where she's, she's getting coffee in the rain. Arya's, well, like, like, walking. Do we assume that Ezra is just, like, following her, waiting for this yes. chance to pick her up yes. in the rain? Like, unless, oh, it, I just happen to be driving best. by. Yeah. Well, there's, like, no other cars on the road. Mm-hmm. Just, just him. He stops. He, like, drives past her for a moment. Then he stops. He drives a little more. And then he stops. And finally, he opens the door. She runs in. Oh, and there's some, like, out. there's some slow motion happening in this. Yeah, there's some slow motion. Too. They make out in the car in the rain. This, this scene is entirely filmed in Instagram filters. Yeah. I mean, like, it looks nothing like the rest of the episode. Yeah. Aria looks pretty good with the white hair, I gotta say. Well, especially, well, not in that scene, because she's actually directly under the rain, but when she comes home afterwards, okay, like, clothes sticking to her. So I didn't have a quote pulled out for Arya. Instead, I just have the expression on her face when she walks back in her house afterwards. Like, satiated excitement. I, I just wrote down JBF. Um, obviously, I don't think that's what they're supposed to imply, but like, d- like to me, her face is communicating, I just had my first orgasm. 
I would say that that you could uh, you could go write some fan fiction that a finger mm-hmm. blasting happened. I mean, it, like, I feel like they maybe told her like you look like kind of happy, but like I don't know if she overplayed it or what. But like she, her, like her mind is blown walking through that door. You know? Yeah, yeah, she's excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arya's fashion, especially in this scene, is like it's a cross between like goth, like boho chic, and like hobo <laughs> sexy. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of boots and short skirts, which uh, I can't complain about. Boots, short skirts, like uh, shirts that only come down to like like mid midsection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Belts. Well, I think it's funny that uh, after the uh, potential finger blasting she got from Ezra, she's like kind of makes up with her dad and like she's gonna hang out with her family and everything's great. It's like now that she's got her thing going on the side, she's like gonna play nice with dad again. Uh, of course, yeah. then she gets a text from A about uh, well, you know, A, a you knows she's making out with teacher. It's like she's got her own like father figure, which makes her kind of forgive her actual father for doing the exact same thing that Ezra's doing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's very very twisted. But yeah, so Ari gets a text from from A at, during this like family moment. At this point, how do you not suspect that this A character does not have you under surveillance? Yeah, I mean. So at this point, she knows that A must have like uh, been at like the like the bar that she was at with Ezra. Like somehow A witnessed that, and then A is also witnessed her and Ezra in his car. It's just like it's like somebody's following you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, quick note about Allison. Uh, she had a blunt force trauma to her head, but she officially died of suffocation. Yes, according to the news report. Yes. Um, uh, I have, before we get to Spencer real quick, I have some quick notes about Wilden. No, go ahead. Uh, during the scene when Wilden takes the four girls into like, the principal's office to interrogate them, mm-hmm. in his defense, these chicks are absolutely suspicious. <laughs> like, like, incredibly suspicious. And it's very clear they're talking about underage drinking, which they're trying to hide. And yeah. he does not seem to care, which he later tells Hannah. But well, he seems to sus- like they're being suspicious for like teenage reasons. But yeah. he's like, for for whatever reason, he's convinced that there's like some bigger secret that they're holding on to, you know, with regards to Allison and, and that night. Um, which of course they, you know, even later on, they're like, look, drinking isn't a big deal anyway. You know, like none of us know what happened. Yeah. Exactly. Seating arrangement in that episode. Did you happen to notice that? Uh, no. What was it? Uh, it's Arya and Spencer are in the middle of the couch. Hannah and Emily are with their others on each side. Um, and Hannah says like one thing, but other than that, it's Arya and Spencer do all the talking. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, there's so much to go for your theory in uh, this. Yeah, for well, example, let's, let's talk about Spencer first, and then we'll, we'll get both to that. Ari and Spencer are beginning some sort of relationship of like, skeezy older men who should know better <laughs> in this. And both Hannah and Emily have relationships that are flirting with a kind of homosexuality. Yeah. So yeah. Spencer uh, actually looks like a teenager now. They kind of gave her kind of like the straight hair that's not very stylized, um, makes her look like she could be in high school. Uh, her dad is Nathan Drake, the actor. The actor who plays her dad, Nolan North, does the voice work for Nathan Drake in the Uncharted series, which I just find hilarious. That like, 
I I'm sure this guy's been in other stuff too, but this is the only thing I've ever seen him in. Like I, I he's mostly just a voice actor, as far as I know. But uh, <laughs> it's apparently in his, his spare time from breaking into like ancient tombs, he's also a, like a lawyer. Yeah, I can a domestic a life in uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, he's a lawyer stuff. like for a business. I notice he says he's happy because the judge dismissed a class action suit against his company. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, or at least the company he's representing. So it's like, oh, so you're you're like a corporate lawyer, and he's and he's like totally like you know he's the the dad. He's like on his BlackBerry the whole time, and he super- expects the best from his girls. Yeah. That weird high-low game that they play. It's like they're having Spencer's having dinner with her dad and her sister Melissa and and Melissa's fiance Ren, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Let's play this game called high-low." Which I'm not sure how this game works exactly. I think you're just supposed to say how like great your day was or something or some something like something that makes you like the best at the day because I know, like one of them. I, I'm trying to remember what the serious ones were. Uh, one of them was a case getting dismissed, you know? Yeah. Um, and then Ren is like, I got a great parking spot. And like, it's like blank stare. Like Spencer like laughs at this. scratch. Yeah. Spencer laughs at this blank stares from Melissa and their dad, you know? And Melissa's like, I'm sure he's kidding. Yeah. Uh, this is after uh, Spencer's jokingly said that she's going to order a vodka rocks. and uh, Vodka soda. Vodka soda. Sorry, vodka soda. Then the dad, you know, has his glass of wine, and Melissa, of course, orders. I'll have what my dad's having. So then, Ren orders the vodka soda, and and, and while, surreptitiously allows Spencer to drink it. Yeah, yeah. While the while the sister and the dad are are just bonding over their game of high low, and Spencer's drinking her glass of vodka soda in front of them. Time honored tradition of using alcohol to apply minors. <sighs> yeah, and at that point, Spencer's enjoying how naughty it is. Um, because oh yeah, I Coda, think. I think Hastings has a shot. She takes the shot. Yeah. I think Melissa's perfection really makes Spencer act out. Like, like she, Melissa's like so uptight and like trying to be perfect that like just Spencer is just like filter off, you know, like when they, when they talk about playing high low and Ren doesn't know what it is, Spencer turns to him and says, you guys don't play it in bed. (laughs) That's the quote I pulled out for her because it's like, wow, that hits on a lot of different levels, you know? Yeah. She's like belittling her sister's relationship, belittling the game, also making reference to like Ren and Melissa having sex, you know, like it's it's incredibly like bitingly inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um earlier in the episode uh, Maya says about Spencer, she's intense. Yeah. You don't know the half of it. There's a great shot too when the the girls invite Jenna over to have lunch with them in the tensest, creepiest scene ever. And there's a great moment where after you get the flashback of the Jenna thing and what happened, you see Spencer reflected in Jenna's mm-hmm. sunglasses. Did you notice that Spencer and Ari were sitting together during that scene? Yeah. 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 Oh, I love that all their phones go off and Jenna's just like, oh, you guys' phones are going off. And it's like, is she just being nice? Is she being coy? Like, is she actually A, does she know why their phones are going off, you know? Like she manages to like make her, she's she allows herself to be unreadable without having a blank face, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. you just don't know what's going on behind those glasses, those creepy, yeah, creepy Spencer glasses. And Argus are next to each other, and then uh, Jenna sits across the table in between Hannah and Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, really like splitting the uh, fractured psyches in half. Um, but uh, Ren is kind of predatory. 
A little bit, yeah. I noticed um, so more Spencer stuff. She has a whole wall full of like blue ribbons and awards that she's won in her bedroom. Yeah. Thought that was, uh, you know, set designer working overtime there to communicate what needs to be think, communicated. Well, I think the dinner scene could be natural. I think you probably have a lot of those kind of scenes in similar familial units where the boyfriend of the older sister will kind of, you know, flirt a little bit with the younger yeah, sister yeah. In, a, in a big brother kind of way. But uh, no, later on in her room, he full on kisses Spencer. Yeah. Well, before that, though, in that dinner scene, like he's a little too familiar. Like even at that scene, Melissa's catching on and she's kind of like she's looking at Ren, looking at Spencer, looking at Ren. And she's she kind of has like the fake smile, like frozen on her face as she does it, you know, yeah. but like her eyes are obviously suspicious at that point. And there's, yeah, there's something brilliant about what that actress is doing. Uh, Tori DeVito. Yeah, and she yeah. only gets better. I mean, she's... You get the sense that, <laughs> quite possibly, Spencer and Melissa, one of them is Sherlock Holmes and the other is Moriarty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Ren is like doing laundry, some pretense to come talk to Spencer about her Latin homework. And then he, he gives some halfway solid advice about you should like, you know... Do what do what you want to do because you want to, not because you feel like you have to, type of thing, you know. And then he kisses her, and Melissa sees it. Uh, doesn't confront anyone right away, but uh, then the next morning you see Ren taken off with the boxes thing. So, yeah. so so long, Ren. And I I love the expression on Spencer's face when that happens. Like like Spencer's, she was obviously angling for this the entire time, and then when it happens, like she doesn't want it and she feels bad about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm sure she's probably feeling guilty, but not totally guilty. Mm-mm. Maybe like seventy five percent guilty. Well, she doesn't want it to be because of her. Yeah, yeah. Because she did try to pull out of that kiss moments uh, after. Yeah, Melissa yeah, like a couple them. seconds later. Yeah, yeah. After Melissa stopped observing them, of course, but um she got what she wanted she screwed her sister over because her sister had taken her uh her living situation away at the loft and uh she got got to make out the older guy because spencer doesn't know that melissa saw them Mm -hmm. she just knows that ren is gone well no i mean you see him well yeah i guess you don't know what she knows yet you just see him leaving so yeah as far as she knows ren left of his own volition although that's not the case yeah um, so then the very end, uh, Spencer's going jogging and she comes around a corner and she sees, uh, uh, Jen, the Jenna thing sitting on a park or on a bus bench. She's using, texting. uh, like voice control to text someone. Yeah. Yeah. And well, this was, this was just like after, uh, somebody had gotten a text from A and so yeah. could it be Jenna? Could Jenna be, be A after well, all? Well, then even creepier, Jenna looks to her left and looks right at Spencer. <laughs> So uh when I was originally watching this show I I was just like there's no fucking way she's blind you know like, <laughs> and I still believe it um yeah like the the way she's like creepily seems to like know how to stare at people even though she's blind Have you ever actually known a blind person I'll tell you something else I've seen a lot of blind chicks in my day <laughs> she's a fucking faker This chick fucking walks I, I've dealt with one blind person in my life through work and I'm not going to lie to you. I've done the thing while talking to them or I just run my hand in front of their face hmm. while I'm talking just to see. Well, I guess know. it depends on how blind they are. Some blind people can sense changes in light 
So they might notice something like that. Well, then I feel like an idiot for doing that, but yeah. I did it anyway. Because that's what you do with a blind person. So, uh, yeah, I guess that covers all our main characters. Any uh, overarching thoughts on this episode? Um, like, like with all second episodes after a pilot, because you figure second episodes usually filmed anywhere from probably a couple months, months later, six, seven yeah. months after the f- pilot. Um, it's kind of, it pushes things forward, but it also kind of retreats a little bit. I felt like it was in most ways a, a good upgrade. Um, the, it feels less like, uh, like the, the pilot kind of still felt like you're on some backlots type of thing. Like yeah. everything seems just feels more detailed. Like, you know, the hair and makeup's better on everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we introduce the new characters, like the, the kind of douchey boyfriends of Hannah and Emily. Um, who just got mentioned in the pilot. Yeah. Like Ashley's hair in this is more red than like the weird, like burgundy it was in the pilot. Like, yeah, everything just feels like improved. Lived I would in. say. Yeah. yeah. The, the, they do a lot better job making the world feel a lot more lived in. Um, mm-hmm. And they kind of they they finally tell you what the Jenna thing is and and but at the same time they're like they're they're pulling back just a little bit because this is episode two, you know mm-hmm. they they well, got so just, the cover. The uh the overarching plot at this point we find out that these girls have actually done something fairly horrible. They're responsible yeah. for injuring and blinding this girl. This girl has a clear motive for wanting to get revenge on them and possibly have gotten revenge on Allison, um, and she's super creepy. So oh, we find out that uh, when Jenna was in the hospital, Allison came to visit her. Yeah, she says Allison came to visit her, and she's like, you know, I don't think she says something to the effect of like most people didn't understand her or something like that. Right. Right. And so Jenna is obviously your uh, your suspect right now. Anyway, you know. Um, well, it's very interesting because they don't they don't focus on A as a character solely of themselves. It, as the episode's title, we're focusing just on the Jenna thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, to me, it's a good next step after that pilot. Yeah, it's a very it, successful episode too. It, it's really like a companion to the pilot. It kind of fleshes everything out. Like now you got the setup, but now here's like the delivery on the kind of wider world, and you see how the show is going to function. Like. All the all the liars, they have one kind of big heinous secret with the Jenna thing, which makes them vulnerable. But then they have they all have their own secrets as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, individual secrets that, that none of the others are aware of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they do a good job about kind of just uh, tying in this whatever's going on of A and the past of Allison and the Jenna thing, well, and, and it, setting up the soap opera. Well, and these girls, like they've theoretically they've been apart for like a year. You know, and so they they used to be friends, and they're they're kind of like slowly getting back into that mold and kind of figuring out how to function without Allison. You know, but they still very much have their own lives. Yes, they do. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, if you watched the pilot and you thought oh, this wasn't so bad, I'll give the second episode a try. Like, I think you were definitely satisfied. I would hope so. I mean, yeah. just for Jenna. Yeah. Oh, she's so creepy. I mean, they they have something called the Jenna thing, and you're like, well, what the hell is that? And I I do feel like they delivered on the Jenna thing. Like, that's appropriately weird and sort of awful. Like, it doesn't paint your main characters in a very good light at all. Even though it was Allison who kind of, like, officially did it, they were all there. Spencer gave her the lighter to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fun because it's a show called Pretty Little Liars, so it, mm-hmm. it indicates that there's something not perfect about these girls. Yes. They're very pretty and little, and they're also liars. Yes. Yes, they are. I get the sense that most people just don't give this show the time of day. Like, I'll see it mentioned every once in a while on the internet, and it's always like, oh, that's some trashy ABC family show. And it just makes me feel bad because they're missing out. Yeah, I mean, it's... I can understand that, though, from afar. I can understand why people yeah. would not respect the show but uh i think a lot of it's the abc family thing i think most people still consider abc family to be like this weird christian network or something yeah i mean this show is like on fox i don't know it might clean up (laughs) i mean what network would it be on it wouldn't be on regular abc it wouldn't be on cbs i don't think you could get away with the stuff they do on the show even in these two episodes in uh on a regular like network television show you know but I mean, like, other than like, I mean, you've already like, have like a, that? like a, you know, pedophilic relationship happening with two of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely one that's really like getting off the ground. A second one that's aborted after this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then just the whole idea of you have like this uh, teenage girl victim who's also a terrible person. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Allison. And the whole the whole Wilden and Ashley thing is super creepy too, you know. Allison quite possibly revealed to be a total sociopath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that they never really overtly say, like, Mom, you fucked that guy to get me off the hook. It's like there's no need to say it. They don't want to talk about it, but we obviously know that's what but happened. It, yeah. it, it it works so perfectly in the context of the show. It's not like the the writing and the plot demanded that they can't verbally address it. Mm-hmm. It's that you're not going to talk about it because of the shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like like Ashley and, and uh, Hannah, they know what they're talking about. They don't need to use that particular word. Yeah. Huh. All right, well, any last thoughts? Looking forward to the next episode. Yes, indeed. We'll do episode three in the next podcast. Uh, until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.